Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test, the nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture?
This is part two of the Utopia series. It's under our foresight category under the subject of Utopia. You can find the full list of industries we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is jaef.foundation. The objective of this series is to set the stage and open the discussion for those who have some concerns about our future with technology, especially with the new domains such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, virtual reality, and augmented reality. The tandem of social media and smartphones has shown us that the closer or more integrated the man becomes with the machine, the more he loses himself, his innate nature, his instincts, and so on. What happens next when the technology goes from its current external relationship with man to an internal one? In our last episode, we talked about the current technology trajectory being pointed towards a future of bionic utopia. How the video game industry, virtual reality, augmented reality, and metaverses have become very popular. How investors are pouring billions of dollars into these industries. And I pose the question, could this be because all hope is lost and that no one wants to spend any more time in the current reality of this world? Are we creating these technologies as a safe haven, as an abstraction from the current reality of this world? We also talked about how it's inevitable and imminent that the next step of evolution for this human technology interaction and relationship is going to be internal. In part two of this series, we'll continue to explore all the above and dive deeper into the world of virtual reality and why it's picking up steam and attracting a lot of venture capital dollars, probably for the wrong reasons. I continue to make the argument that if we are creating these virtual worlds as escapism from the current world, then all this capital is being poured into these industries is being wasted. Virtual worlds and other virtual reality experiences should, shouldn't be a tool for escapism, rather they should be used as a creative funnel for solving problems in the real world. In this episode, I use the healthcare industry as the first case study and some examples such as nanochips depositing food nutrients inside human beings and how such a bionic future is imminent based on the current technology and innovation trajectory versus another trajectory of an organic future that we have probably not considered that relies more on preventative innovation instead of cure. In this episode, we consider two innovation paths, one that leads us down a path depending on nanochips depositing liking food nutrients into our bodies, versus subsidizing organic food and retaining the human experience and tradition of eating actual food. I don't have all the answers, but I believe we can put our minds and hearts together to get to the bottom of things. So open up your heart and mind and let's take a ride. back to episode two of the Utopia series. In our last episode, I was talking about the current technology trajectory that is that I believe is pointing towards the future of bionic Utopia. You know, I, I spoke about how the video game industry, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, metaverses have become very popular. And I, I posed a question to you and I say, is the reasons why investors are pouring billions of dollars into these industries, is it because all hope has been lost? Is it because no one wants to spend any more time in the current reality of this world? 
Are we creating these technologies as a safe haven, as an abstraction from the current reality of this world? And one of the things I mentioned was, I believe it's inevitable and it's inevitable that the next step of the next step of evolution for this human technology interaction and relationship, I think it's uh, it's going to be internal. And I mentioned how that for episode two, you know, I'll start, you know, using some examples in industries like, you know, healthcare, food delivery apps and gamifying and, you know, talking about anxiety and depression and immigration and security of the world and, and, and kind of using the, these examples because I, I believe that these are these are the areas that are hurting the world right now. And these are the areas where innovation should be probably the innovation of these areas, the focus should be towards a natural um, state of utopia. I think if we continue on the current path, I think we're headed down a very uh, dangerous or unsafe destination. So, and some of the things that I, I mentioned in our last episodes, just to quickly recap is, I did mention that for me personally, the future of technology doesn't look that exciting. And I mentioned that that's a very bold statement. And, and I did mention that, that even with the rise of things like uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, I didn't think that there were so many things to be excited about just because of the trajectory of where we are pointing. And normally the norm is people tend to think that like by default technology is 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 going to get you to the right place but one of the things that i did mention is technology doesn't build itself no technology is built by human beings so these are just vacuums technology artificial intelligence machine learning and all of this they're just vacuums so if the people behind the technology are flawed, if we haven't changed our mindset or our approach to these problems, then the gun is, is, is pointing in the wrong direction. The gun is useless. You know, if we're not pointing the gun to to the right enemy, then I think the gun is useless. You know, that that's what I believe. And I did say that the machine doesn't build itself. Man builds the machine. And I, I also mentioned about how one of the reasons that I, I think it's, it's, it's I believe, I, I, I absolutely believe this, that it's going to be more of an inorganic or bionic utopia is because you can tell from the, from kind of the, the, the creative environment that people are inspired by, you know, if you, you know, sci-fi movies, series and TV shows, these play a big role in people's imagination. You know, what people tend to see is, it kind of gets uh, deposited into your subconscious. And then you end up creating from there, you know? So uh, uh, I have a scientific background, you know, I'm an engineer and I, uh, I'm also uh, a software developer and I've spent a lot of time in, in these environments. And most of the time when I've hang out with a lot of these people is a lot of people spend a lot of people in these worlds spend a lot most of their time in, in, in you know in a fiction world 
you know, that's where they draw most of the inspiration from, you know, fiction books, movies, TV series, as I was saying. And so one of I was making this statement or making this argument that I think the problem becomes when the movie directors or the TV show directors, if they only keep on painting like these bionic futures and chips embedded in people, I said, guess what? The engineer at Google, at Facebook and Microsoft, if this is their, innov uh, their innovative uh, tropism, it's going to be pointed towards that, you know, and and you can see it in a lot of countries that that we expect to be far along, like let, let's say the United States, and and it's not quite there, you know, based on the creativity and, and, and the venture capital uh, money that's been poured into these industries, this, there are a lot of problems that they have that I believe they shouldn't even be dealing with. And same thing here, you know, in Canada as well and, 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 and some other parts of the world. And so I was, I, was, I, was, I was unrolling the carpet and saying that you, you see a lot of things are moving towards that fiction kind of like environment, you know, fiction, you know, it, it, you know, the video game industry has become very popular and, you know, 3D glasses and uh, augmented reality, virtual reality glasses and augmented reality glasses and, and all of these things. And now you have people who are creating what, what, what we call metaverses. You know, it, it's kind of like some kind of like universe out there. And uh, one of the interesting things is that I was uh, looking at was uh, people have now started buying uh, plots of land in these metaverses. So people are not buying plots of land in in the real world, and they're saying, "Well, let me buy a plot of land in like a virtual world." And these plots of land have started selling for a lot of money. And uh, part of me is like, "Hmm, if we only can get your." And yeah, so people buy these plots of land and then you can, you know, design your city and things like that. So my argument is, if if we can do these things like in a virtual world, why aren't we doing them in the real world? This world has so much unoccupied real estate. There's so many bad neighborhoods. There's so many problems wrong with this world that we need to take this kind of creativity and bring it into the real world. It's gonna be very, it's gonna be useless. And we're gonna look back at how many billions of dollars. By the time we look back, it'll be trillions of dollars that we spent building up virtual world so that people would run away from the real world. And by the time we look back and say, hey, the real world is on fire. We don't wanna look back and say it's too late. You know, this is where innovations, we, we gotta start thinking like, hey, what are the things that are hurting society right now? You know, and then put out, it's, it's almost like put out a, just kind of throw it out to the public and say, hey, these are the problems that are hurting society right now. If you have any passion in this area, we need a business plan from you. We need some kind of idea from you. We need to solve this problem like yesterday. We don't need majority of the population jumping into virtual worlds and metaverses and buying plots of land in virtual reality land. Are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing? This is, this is not the time to run away from this world that is on fire. This is the time to say, hey, 
Let's take this creativity from a virtual world. Let's solve problems in the real world. That's where the do that's where the money needs to be put. That's where the investments need to be made. So, um, yeah, the name virtual reality tells you all you need to know about it. But yeah, you know, if you, I, I, I spend a lot of time in the real world. I get most of my answers from the real world. You know, the people who are close to me will, will, will tell you that. And, but as I say, I do have a lot of friends who, you know, spend time a lot in, you know, in the virtual world. And so once in a while, I like to go into these places and see what are people thinking. This is kind of how I operate. I, I go to all worlds, right? I, I you know, you, you know, in the real world, and I interact with people in my environment. I like to hear. I like to get feedback from the real world, and it's almost like the feedback that I get from the real world. Let's say if I go to the grocery store, if I go to the gym, if I'm out running, or if I'm walking on the street, and you talk to people on these online communities. These are people that <laughs> you have two camps of people and their mentalities are, it's almost like the opposite. And all of them live in this world, but it's all like some people are like, Hey, we need to solve the problems here. Some people are just in virtual reality land that that's, <laughs> that's where, that's where they're living. And it's like, okay, how much time can you spend in virtual reality land? You know? You're not going to buy food from virtual reality land. You're not sleeping, like physically sleeping in virtual reality land. You're not buying coffee from virtual reality land. And you have to go to the grocery store. You have to get in traffic. You know, you know. let's say you had to get in traffic to, to get to work. You had to interact with people in your immediate surrounding. And if you come out of virtual reality land into your real world, and it's a mess and it doesn't look like your virtual reality land where you you bought plots of land and you created this imaginary city and and now that's where you spend your time and you come into the real world and and then you look on the news and a whole building has collapsed and people have died or maybe you realize countries are fighting against each other and and, and all this mess all this chaos like it's like armageddon's happening and and now it's like you are unaware of things that are happening well, guess what? We need you in real reality land. We need your creativity in real reality land. And, uh, you know, part of, part of the blame also scale with investors because I think most people, you know, as I said, they're just throwing money against the wall to see, okay, what's going to stick? You know, like what's going to be the next Instagram? What's going to be the next? I get it. That That's when we're investing, but... I don't think that should be the primary uh, kind of use of the capital resources available. No, no, no. I think we got to ask, okay, we're not trying to throw money against the wall and say, what is, you know, what, what is the next company that is going to build a social media kind of trend? No, we don't need that. We have enough problems. That's okay. And I think we need that as well. Um, but we need innovation to say, okay, we have a housing crisis. Hey, Mr. Mr. So-and-so, lady so-and-so, okay, you've created a good virtual reality land uh, plan. Now, can we bring it out to the real world? Let's see how this plays out. You know, if you're using virtual reality 
to imagine what could be and then bring it out into the real world, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. But if we're just doing this so that people can spend 10 hours, because that's the thing. If, if you look at the metrics of, of how investors, you know, are pouring money into these things, you know, if they look at your, uh, you know, your monthly active users, daily active users, and looking, okay, let's say you have a virtual reality um, platform and people go there, they hang out and they do all these kind of things. They're doing everything through uh, virtual reality glasses or augmented reality glasses. And then, you know, they, they pull their numbers and they say, hey, we have, let's say, I don't know, 30,000 people active on our platform, let's say per day. And they're spending, let's say, six hours, right? Investors are looking at that and saying, oh, this is, this is like, oh, okay, this is maybe, this is, these, you know, there's these like, these like a gold mine here. You know, like, oh, they're thinking that, okay, the trajectory of this is like, okay, if we can get this platform to maybe, I don't know, 100,000 users daily active, uh, you know, for, let me say, six hours a day, uh, then we can somehow bring in some way of like ad revenue and, and create revenue like that or things like that. That is, I think that is now, we've run the course of that. I, I absolutely believe that because the question shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't invest just because of that and now pour billions of dollars into a startup or a company because of that. No, the real question should be, okay, you have people who are going to virtual reality land. Now let's find out out of all of those people, can we bring those plans back into real reality land? There's so many cities around the world that are desolate, they're decimated. These tools that we're creating in virtual reality, they should enhance our creativity in the real world. That's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about hanging out in virtual reality land for 10 hours and somehow that's the metric that we use to pour billions of dollars into these companies. No, 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 no. It's got to come back into the real world. The real world is where we all live. The real world is what is in a mess right now. That is where we need help right now. This is where we need to sit down and say, what is wrong, healthcare system? We don't need people spending eight hours, you know, waiting in line. Uh, we don't need people waiting seven months to get a knee surgery. No, no, no. That's, that's unacceptable. No, no, no. We need things happening right now. How can how can virtual reality inspire our creativity to apply it into the real world? So there's so much to talk about here. And I know I've spent a lot of time kind of talking about what we, you know, I was building building up on uh, the last episode, but this is this is what we're dealing with. So you can see uh, the things that for me personally that, I'm, uh, that I, I did mention that were exciting to me were things like, you know, Self-driving cars are, are exciting, you know, because we still have a lot of uh, metropolitan cities have this issue called traffic. And I think that's 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 exciting. Uh, you know, you have, as I said, you have truck drivers driving for long hours. I think we need a lot of, uh, we need manufacturing to, we need manufacturing industries to kind of be almost ubiquitous. Like, like we need, we need them everywhere. There's no reason as to why, you know, like, People got to drive like 15 hours just to go across borders, just moving goods. It's almost like we got to have full self-sustainable, like we got to have uh, a manufacturing cycle 
from inception to production to delivery, we're going to be able to have it in, in, a, in, like in one location. You know, there's no reason as to why, you know, uh, it's okay for the raw materials to come outside from the city or to come from outside the country. But then it's like, well, in, in, in this part of the city, let, you know, think of it as a, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something here. It's almost like you make the, 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 I don't know, like you make different parts of the product. You make pro part one, part two, you know, maybe the, 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 the insides of, of the product, you know, like the, uh, whatever it is. And you, you can manufacture them, let's say in the city, but then you now gotta ship those to another country to be assembled there. That doesn't make sense. We all these things gotta be. There's no reasons why we don't have a manufacturing line that is able to do all of these things in one city. You know, so this is some of the things we gotta think about. There's no reason people be driving 20 hours on the road. I gotta move goods, products across uh, uh, semi-assembled products across Canada from like British Columbia down to Florida, uh, or now. The, the part of the products have been manufactured in the same, uh, in, in, you know, in, in, in the United States somewhere, and now we got to fly them to China. That, that doesn't make sense. So I say truck drivers, I think it would be good for self-driving cars. I say the flying cars don't excite me because I just love the beautiful, the beautiful clean canvas of the sky. I did mention that uh, we're already getting into kind of like, you know, like how many drones should be allowed to fly. So think of it. We haven't yet even hit peak drone capacity where we just have drones just dropping off packages like every 10 minutes. You know, we haven't yet hit that. So by the time, let's say we get to a million drones in the sky and, you know, like we still have to figure out how those are going to operate within like, uh, like within like airport jurisdictions and things like that. So by the time we get from that all the way to flying cars, you know, that's, yeah, we, we, we've got our work cut out for us. But I did mention that I was, I was excited about earth to earth transportation, you know, like where you can get anywhere on earth in an, an hour, you know, SpaceX, Starship and Super Heavy are, are doing this. I think this is going to be exciting where you can complete uh, most international long distance trips within 30 minutes. You see, that's something I'm on board with, you know, I'm on board for because, you know, it's it's ridiculous that, you know, you got to if you want to go from, let's say, one side of the ocean, cross over to the other side of the world that, you know, it's a 15 hour flight with like eight hour layover in between. It's ridiculous. You know, we got to have these things happening 30 minutes, you know, for business to move faster. You know, it's going to be possible, let's say, to do a meeting in New York, get onto, you know, uh, Starship. You're in Japan, you know, within the next 30 minutes, you know, do have a meeting there, then back to your way, maybe somewhere in Uganda or and then back back home, you know, and all of this is possible within one day. You know, th I think that's exciting. You know, if you're doing if business starts moving at that level where it's almost like transportation is just kind of like it's almost you're moving from A to B. Um, almost as fast as it takes someone to eat lunch. But, you know, like the amount of time someone uses to eat lunch is like, well, you've gone from one country to another. I think that's fascinating. Then I was talking about how, you know, internet access around the world, 
I think this is holding back a lot of communities in terms of communication and education. And uh, I'm saying that I'm 50-50 on uh, healthcare innovations. And I'll probably cover that for this episode and we'll pick up some other examples in the next one. Uh, you know, like let's say the Apple Watch, you know, it's capable of things like, you know, reminding you to stand up and walk and detect, you know, abnormalities in your heart rate and, and things like that. I think this is this is this is this is cool. This is exciting. And but again, I was saying up to this point, you can see that most of our interaction with technology has been external, even like with all the virtual worlds that I'm talking about. A lot of this stuff is external. Now, we get into dangerous, you know, dangerous territory when these technologies have to come on the inside because that looks like it's the it's the next inevitable, uh, you know, evolution for this relationship between humans and technology. And, uh, you know, I was talking about how, you know, we can look at the tandem of social media and smartphones and how how that has played out. You know, we've gained a lot, but we've lost a lot, you know, and, you know, people have almost lost their instincts, you know, their ability to interact with natural surroundings. It's very hard for you. Uh, it's, it's almost now very rare for you to find someone who's walking outside and they're not looking at their phone. Even when you, you know, let's say, at the, you know, at the gym, people, everyone's got to have music in their ears, on the train, everywhere. It's almost like people cannot just be apart from their phones and just, you know, interact with nature and just be alone without having some kind of external stimulus. You know, there's always this fear of missing out. And uh, so we've seen how this has played out. You know, we've lost, we've gained a lot in the sense of it's easier to get to people but we've also lost a lot and creativity via like thinking because everything you can just like Google. And so we've lost a little bit there. And one of the other reasons why I was saying uh, I was not really excited is because I, I believe that, you know, like prevention is better than cure and prevention is actually less expensive than cure. And I'm saying that for, for the most part today, government policies and business solutions, most technology innovations, they're all gearing towards cure than prevention. You know, you can go down the line, you know, how much money is being poured into like cancer research for prevention versus cancer research for cure. Uh, a lot of it is going towards cure, but if you're having, if the number of people who are coming in with a disease is almost and and you're having the non-people who are coming out with a cure being less than the non-people coming out with a disease you're still operating at a deficit you know if more people are still dying from cancer than being cured from cancer then there's a problem there then we need to start thinking along the lines well how can we just prevent this disease from happening you know that's where people i don't think people are, are thinking there because that's the hard part because that requires changing so many things that have been built up in our lifestyles and I don't think a lot of people are ready for that. So we, we're, we're innovating towards cure for everything. Cure, cure, cure. Instead of really going back and say, it's not sustainable. Can we just prevent this once and for all and not have to deal with it? So there's a lot of things that, that, that we're talking about here. And I did mention that we would pick up and talk about some examples, like, you know, some industries like the healthcare industry and, you know, kind of compare what would be the best case if we did it with a prevention mindset versus with a cure mindset of innovation?
So healthcare is an example. You know, I think healthcare is going to be is pro- it's probably going to be affected the most affected uh, industry. I think it's going to be affected uh, both positively and negatively. And I believe, as we can see from you know, if you look at the the healthcare systems around the world right now. I believe that the best healthcare system is one that doesn't let people get sick. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's very possible. Uh, the best medicine is not needing medicine. That's how you really want to think about things. If you allow your creative, uh, you know, your creative juices, your imagination to say, well, the best medicine is not needing medicine. Well, then what can I do not to need medicine? You know, then now you start backtracking. You have to backtrack into things like, well, what's your diet like? What's your what's your health lifestyle like? What are you putting into your body? You know, you start to look at all these things. There's always these weird like one-offs where like a weird, you know, that where, you know, I don't know if you want to call them like bad luck, kind of like there's always those one-offs. But for the most part, if you start to backtrack, I think a lot of things can be prevented. And I think this is where I want to challenge people who are innovating to say, let's think from that standpoint. Let's think about prevention better, you know, before we think about cure. We can think about cure right now to, of course, cure the people dealing with it, but we got to think about prevention, you know, because once we get to now, this is this is where I think technology is being pointed right now. This is the bionic, for instance, example. I think it's looking like we're pointing towards where medicine is now. People are thinking along the lines of, well, we're not really going to talk about that the best medicine is not needing medicine and innovate backtrack from there and innovate backwards to, to that. But people are thinking, well, what's now the fastest way to deploy medicine into your system? You see, there's a lot of technology that's being built around that where it's like, well, Right now, if you take it, if you get a swallow of the medicine, how fast is it working? You know, and, you know, is there any time delay from the time, it, you know, it gets into your blood and is dissolved into your, into your blood system and all of that? People are thinking along those lines. So that would mean that, the you know, it's almost like the next step is to put a chip, you know, to embed some kind of nano chip that can monitor your internal organs. It's almost like a, it's like 24-7, you know. And then it's like, well, you know, or maybe let's say if you if you have a disease of something and you have an, a nano chip inside of, inside of you, and it's almost like every time like your blood pressure goes up, you almost it's triggered like within you. Then it deposits certain amount, amount of medicine, you know, to kind of attack that or bring the blood pressure down or things like that. But that's kind of where we're headed to where we now have medicine. It's almost like it's pretty pre. It's almost like it's pre-injected in us. You know, it's almost like now you have a chip that's inside you and 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 it's kind of like just roaming around to just waiting to deposit medicine and things like that for the conditions that you have. And right now, I think human beings are on so much medication. I think we have so much medication because that's where we've innovated towards. We've innovated towards thinking, hey, well, this is a problem. Well, let's find a medication to cure it. But we we can now start to backtrack and say, okay, if you're sick or have a terminal illness, you know, um, 
this sounds like a no-brainer. You know, it's got a lot of advantages. You know, if you have a terminal illness and, and you have a chip inside you and, and it's kind of like monitoring everything and then whenever your situation kind of flares up, it kind of deposits, you know, that medicine or drug. And, but as I'm saying now, once we get into this territory, then, then it becomes, okay, well, what's the next step for let's say food, right? Dietary nutrients. Then it becomes that we start to enter territory where now there's a food chip, food nanochip that you embedded with to deploy these nutrients that your body needs because you don't have uh, time to cook or you don't have time to eat. You have a 12 hour shift to put in. You see what I mean? It's almost like the, the cures that, that we're coming up with are curing the deficiencies that we have in our system. Things are not smooth. Things are not moving efficiently. It's because people have to work 12 hour shifts. Now, if someone's working a 12 hour shift, they don't have the, the, the they don't have enough time to maybe get back home, get through the traffic, you know, just rest, just give themselves some rest, like socially. Um, they, they don't. Have... So, so, yeah, let's, so, so we're talking about like some, you know, that they don't have rest, you know, they don't have enough time to come back home, you know, socialize with their family or go work out and maybe enough time to make themselves a nutritious meal. So now, because they have to work 12 hours, now they think about, okay, now I need to eat. What am I going to do? Then in comes canned food all those prepared, uh, prepared canned meals, all of these things that, that, that really now, if you start to add them out, is the reasons why someone could end up with cancer, you know, because of what they've been putting in their body, is why someone could end up with diabetes, is why someone could end up with disease, so-and-so. It, it, all, it, go, it all goes back to what was, what was in their lifestyle. You know, there are some cases of predisposition, the, the, but majority of, of what we're looking at if you look at the stats it's it's not predisposition you know it's a lot of lifestyles that almost they are exposed to from when they are young again it's because to the parents life choices you know there's so many kids right now you know if you you know more people right now it used to be more people were dying of hunger and than than diabetes or i mean than uh than um, being obese but right now, there's more people who are obese that more people are dying from obesity than hunger. It's ridiculous. So you start to think along those terms and say, okay, you know, if you've got a terminal illness, you know, it may sound like a no-brainer to, to have a chip embedded in you to deposit the kind of medicine that you need. But... Can we innovate from a point of prevention? As I say, the best healthcare system is not one that is operating at 100% capacity. That is wrong. If you have a healthcare system that is operating at 100% capacity, that means that a big part of the population is sick. No, a good healthcare system is one that says, hey, how many people are in hospitals? Only 10% of the population is in hospitals. 90% of the population is operating outside of hospitals, you know? But I think right now we're innovating towards, well, 
how can we develop the capacity of this hospital to take in more people? This is ridiculous. We should be innovating going back down to the lifestyle. You know, what kind of food are people eating at home? You know, is it organic? You know, if they're not eating organic food, then why are they eating inorganic food? You know, is it because of is it because of money? You know, why are most, you know, why is there a discrepancy in, in the quality of food that is sold, let's say, at Walmart versus Whole Foods? You know, there's no reason, I believe there's no reason as to why we should have, we should not have Whole Foods type quality food in every grocery store. Absolutely. The standard of food should be the same. It should just be organic. That's it. Case closed. There's no reason as to why we need to have inorganic food. Why? 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 It, it doesn't make sense. This is where we have to innovate. This, these are the hard questions. This is where we have to sit down and say, well, how can we subsidize the cost of organic food? Well, which countries are producing this food? How can we subsidize the manufacturing in these countries? You know, because in some cases, let's say countries like, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, they may not have the the luxury or, you know, of having like a kind of like a, a tropical climate or, you know, 12 months in a year. But now that's where our partners in the Southern Hemisphere can come in. You know, countries um, in the Southern Hemisphere can come in. You know, countries that have, you know, kind of like all year round climate that is, you know, tropical and can enable people to just kind of produce food all year round. We can do these things. This is when we partner with these countries and say, hey, we're going to need you we're going to need you to, you know, kind of keep the production of organic food where it's needed, even when our climate, you know, kind of gets into, you know, a phase where we can't grow crops or we can't produce fruit. You know, this is when we partner with countries. This is, but the problem is the same countries that we can partner with, we're busy killing them. We're busy bombing them up. So you can see where this world is, is almost itself defeating itself. And, and this is the whole this is the whole point of this platform called JF, you know, the Jesus and Everything Foundation. You know, it's to say, hey, there are certain principles that we can all abide by. It's not about religion. It's about certain principles and saying, hey, if we operate, if we do business through love, through peace, through self-control, through the fruit of the spirit, you know, through all of these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, self-control, goodness. And everyone can come to the table. We need to put our guns aside. That's the whole point. Because you can't expect a country that you're bombing today to have those people excited to say, hey, we want to support this same country and help their food production. And vice versa. That's the problem right now. We have to put our guns down and we have to start dealing with the issues. Because now the problem is that these issues have now started affecting everyone. And now the way that the Western world is dealing with them is saying, well, we're just going to um, embed chips into people, you know, instead of people having, like, we're going to extract the nutrients that come, let's say, through eating a banana or through eating, you know, like a steak or through, you know, let's say fruits and, and vegetables. We're going to extract all these ingredients, put them in a tablet and have people take that, you know, as, as a kind of like an old day supplement kind of thing. No. What would you rather prefer? 
this is where I try to paint the picture of like, okay, what would you rather prefer? Would you rather prefer a world where you're eating food through a chip that is being deposited in your body so that you can work 12 hours a day and and just kind of run like like you 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 are like a like a hamster, like in a hamster wheel? Or would you rather work, you know, as I say, in one of our other series, we're talking about, I'm talking about uh, the, the benefits of a five-hour workday, why we need to move from an eight-hour workday to five-hour, you know, five hours. Whereas, like, you have, you give your company that you're working with, you know, the most productive, efficient five hours, and you're not spending the extra three hours that we call eight-hour workdays on Facebook or Instagram, and your work, giving them the best five hours of your productivity, you come back home, you can spend time with your family, you can cook a good meal, a nutritious meal, and you're just not embedded with a natural food chip, like a nano chip that is just depositing food, nutri food nutrients. These are, this is how we need to be thinking. But we're thinking the opposite direction. We're thinking, well, how can we keep people working for 15 hours? You know what I mean? Like, no, people need sleep. You know, how can we make people work 12 hours? No, we don't need that. Because we've tried that. That hasn't worked out. We've tried that. People crushing and burning. What we need right now is people to just be living healthy lifestyles and saying, okay, we need this amount of productivity from you. And what we need is not to figure out a way in which we can make it easy for people to avoid sitting down at a lunch table to interact with their work colleagues and instead be pressing a button on their smartphone so that a chip that is embedded in them can now start depositing proteins and vitamins and amino acids so that they can just get back onto their work desk. That is the bionic utopia that we're pointed towards. That's where we're headed. No. We need to build community. We're, 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 we are social beings. We need people to interact with each other. That's where creativity comes from. That's where stimulation comes from. We need compassion back into this society. You know, people don't even know their neighbors that they live next door to. We don't need people at work spending less time talking to each other. You know, we need them talking to each other. That's where creativity comes out of. We need people to have compassion, to know about each other's problems. We don't need them to spend, now we're trying to get them from spending an hour on the lunch table or maybe at home down to 10 minutes because now in five minutes, and not a cheap, or maybe they can just hook up to a machine and have protein injected into them. That, no, we don't need that, but that's where we're innovating towards. We need to move in the opposite direction. So anyways, um, we'll, we'll continue uh, talking about this, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here. And thank you for tuning in for episode two. Again, there's so much to talk about. And I'll see you on the next one. In the next episode, I'll continue to use some examples of Bionic Top here in the healthcare industry that sound amazing and no-brainers, but also paint other pictures of Bionic Top here which I don't think a lot of companies, innovators, and governments are considering. We'll also look at some other industries like the transportation industry, food delivery. We'll look at some other applications of artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and augmented reality, as well as metaverses. We'll look at robotics. We'll also look at big data and what's next in the world of security. 
This was Utopia, part two, and your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening.